Hi everybody, today is January 9th, 2013. If you are listening to this, we have survived the apocalypse. Happy New Year. That said, let's start off with some lighter news. New episodes of Arrested Development are only months away after six long years. The beloved Bluths are returning. Not to TV, however. The entire season will be released on Netflix sometime this spring. There's expected to be 13 or 14 episodes. The new creator slash showrunner Mitch Hurwitz has confirmed that only Jason Bateman's Michael Bluth character will be in every episode, each episode following up on the events after the season finale in 2006. Oscar season is amongst us, and the nominations for the 85th annual gala will be announced tomorrow at 5.30 a.m. Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane, who is not related to to Todd MacFarlane, by the way, will be hosting the prestigious award show. MacFarlane has been advised by former host and former cat burglar Anne Hathaway not to trust people if they tell him hosting rehearsals are going well. Apparently, she was surrounded by a lot of positivity that she was a little too loose when she and Harry Osborne had hosted in 2009. Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained is a wild card for any nominations, but the controversial slave period comedy drama action will be releasing a set of 8-inch active figures, which will be available on Amazon. They go for around $25 and are fully posable with tailored fabric clothing. Say what? Anyways, the 2012 Razzie Awards nominations have been announced also for the 30 for their 33rd annual celebration of horrible, horrible movies. And surprise, surprise, Twilight leads the pack with a crap ton of nominations for Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Actor, Worst Actress, etc., etc. So maybe the end of the world did happen after all. Anyways, last weekend, Texas Chainsaw 3D topped the box office with $21.7 million, followed by Django at $20 million, and Bilbo Baggett's The Hobbit, which raked in a measly $17.5 million. <laughs> Some upcoming movies for this year. Hugh Jackman returns in The Wolverine, which will follow Logan after the events of X-Men The Last Stand. Directed by James Mangold, the film will be released on July 26, 2013 and is set in Japan. Somewhat based on Chris Claremont and Frank Miller's take on Mr. Snick, Snick, Snick. More Iron Man 3 photos have been released featuring Iron Patriot and those photos are tight. I repeat, tight. That movie comes out on May 3. Thor The Dark World is expected for release on November 8, 2013 and filming for Captain America 2 begins in March. That will be Samuel Jackson's next Marvel film, by the way. For you DC fans, Man of Steel will be, re- will be released on June 14th, and Michael Bay has begun casting for Transformers 4. So far, they have casted Marky Mark Wahlberg and an Irish kid named Chuck Rayner. The film is not a reboot and takes place exactly four years after the war in Chicago, says Bay. Talking about aliens and outer space, Paramount will, Paramount will be premiering a TV spot for J.J. Abrams' Star Trek Into the Darkness during the Super Bowl. This spot will be integrated with a new mobile app that will unlock exclusive content and all that ish. The Super Bowl, by the way, is February 3, just in case you don't watch football or know what a football is. And speaking about stars, Mark Echo is designing a Star Wars TIE Fighter flight jacket. In addition, there are also jackets inspired by R2-D2 and Chewbacca. They go for around $200 and are currently out of stock, but you can check them out at Shop Echo. 
Yahoo.com. Lastly, in comic book news, because this is a comic book show, Superior Spider-Man hits shel- shelves today. Written by Dan Slott and illustrated by Edgar Delgado, this is the newest rendition of your friendly neighborhood web crawler and continues Marvel's Now campaign. Now. 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 It's $3.99 and there are some pretty cool variants. So this concludes Geeking Out with Joel for this week. If you have any questions, concerns, problems, love notes, or death threats, please email me at joel at thegeekspeakshow.com or you can follow me on Twitter at Joel Japatana. That's J-O-E-L-J-A-P-I-T-A-N-A. Thank you. Bye-bye. Geeking Out with Joel Japatana. People who get it, get it. They're listening. You're consuming. You're watching it with your ears. Oh, just listen. The movers and shakers and geek culture are heard here. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, this is Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, and one of the original founders of Image Comics. I'm not a fact sheet. This is Mark Zickby, writer, producer, and director of Space Command. I'm Zach Whedon. Hi, I'm Chris Hardwick. This is the Geek Speak Show. Here are your hosts, Henry San Miguel and Richard Rossini. We're here. We made it. December 21st came and went, and nothing happened. Hey, Rachel, how you doing? I'm good. How is everybody else? Alive. Oh, only tell apparently. Me. That's right. And yes, she's still a big Star Wars fan. We're going to talk Star Wars. Of course, going to pick up right where we left off. So welcome to the Geek Speak Show season number four. Um, Time to start the year off, right? Yes, with the Geek Speak Show. And the video show is coming also. It's going to be more of a regular thing. Like I said, it's going to be, you may see Rachel and I cameo every now and then, but it's going to be more jay and joel but watch anyway and you also see mark arnold on there and louise and but like i said watch it anyway it'll be fun i promise i hope i should say but uh you guys listen to our our uh award show i'm sure there were a lot of arguments a lot of turkey throwing and and lightsaber battles the plastic ones because we don't have real ones rachel does but she's not gonna let you know how to i'm not sharing yeah, a uh, lot. I got a lot of emails from everybody. You guys can send them Henry at thegeekspeakshow.com. A lot of them were they agreed with. There were some disagreements with the comics and the other ones, but they all agreed that they're glad I gave it to Stan Lee, the uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award. You were also you were on there with me, and Chris Hardwick. That after they thought about it, said, "Yeah, I would have said Joss Whedon, but yeah, I guess Chris did a, a few things for." Our culture for geek culture last year. So congratulations on that. And, and little tease. You may see Chris get his award, not live, but live on, uh, I was going to say Memorex. Yeah, show my age. But, but you, can, you may see me give him <laughs> an actual award at one of the conventions. Maybe Image here in Oakland or WonderCon when that happens in Anaheim. Um, little tease, be on the lookout. But we'll capture it for you all to watch. Yeah, because it is going to be a real award. It's not just, okay, we just give you an award and he doesn't get anything. He'll get something for it. The finger. No. Hi, Chris. Uh, so for, for, <laughs> for what we're going to do now is... Like I said, it's talk Star Wars. There's something really, really cool, really awesome, actually. It, it's not completed yet. It's it's uh, almost there. Something that um, I had a chance to play with. Not this big, but a, but a Millennium Falcon. Kenner used to make this toy. It was like before the USS Flag toy from G.I. Joey came out, and now the, uh, the the helicarrier from the Avengers. That used to be the biggest action figure playset to play with. I actually was lucky enough to own it a couple of times in my lifetime, but we're going to talk to somebody who's topping Kenner. They're doing something even bigger than the USS Flag, even bigger Literally. than the uh, the helicarrier. Almost a life-size... Hey, there's an idea. A life-size helicarrier. Anyway, see, this is why we do the Geek Speak show. Uh... <laughs> We weren't on the air. We were on our break when we did the awards. We were on our break when this happened. We had the Hobbit 
an unexpected journey, even though we all expected it since it was announced three years ago. I, I got to see it in IMAX. Rachel, did you get to see it in IMAX? I didn't. I, I had tickets for it, actually, and then I had to return them and get other ones for prior commitments. But I'm really upset about it, so I don't want to talk about it. As I said, you're losing your geek cred with that. No, I'm not. No, I'm you not. weren't at a midnight screening? I know. It's like the first one in however long, but right it won't down. happen again, I promise. Yeah, no, but the reason why I bring up IMAX is because, you know, as, no secret now, the Star Trek Into Darkness nine-minute preview, the, uh, I think it's the opening few scenes of, the, of that thing were included in that. Have you had a chance to see that since? Oh, I have. I saw them online. Mm-hmm. And amazing. And the the word that I was describing it to my friends was the suspense that was built by it. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, well, uh, why not? Let's jump in. You know, the biggest discussion wasn't The Hobbit, whether it was good or not. It wasn't anything else. It's been, who is Benedict Cumberbatch? Not who, he, not who is he, the actor, but who is he playing? Who's, who's the, we know he's the villain, but and we know his name is, uh, what is it, John Henderson or something like that. But is it Khan? Is it really somebody else? Do, do, who, do you, who do you think it is, or do you think it's just a villain? See, I, I debated that, and, and I'm starting to think that it's just a villain, but that it'll tie into something else. Um but I, I don't feel like I have enough information to speculate, so I'm just going to be surprised. I don't have my spoiler alert thing loaded, but hopefully it's not a spoiler alert. I have my theory, and this goes back, and it's it, it goes back to the 2009 JJ Star Trek. Remember when we see little Kirk, the little kid Kirk, we when he steals a car and his his I guess his half brother is walking down the road there. Right. That's the villain. If you see my face right now, you guys, I have the blank stare going. See, we should, hmm. we should be doing the video show because, yeah, they, they, can't, know. they can't hear your face. They can. They <laughs> no, but I, I say that because there's a few hints in, in the uh, the nine minutes things and, and in that new trailer that was released also where at the very end, he's looking at Kirk, Benedict Cumberbatch's character. He's looking at Kirk and he says, right. you'd do anything for family, wouldn't you? And then when, when he said that, I said, that's who it is. See, I took that as family as in his crew. So hmm. Yeah, because he is wearing a Starfleet uniform. See, that's what I'm saying. And then you see Spock on the other side of the glass, and then you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. See, and now we're just like everybody else. Everybody's been talking about this. Day. Everybody, oh, yeah, <laughs> The Hobbit was okay, but who the, who the hell has Benedict Cumberbatch? I know, he playing? I know. <laughs> um, that, and, uh, well, The Hobbit was good. I thought it was, it was good. It wasn't, you know, epic like Lord of the Rings, uh, especially Return of the King. It wasn't like, it wasn't that big but then again the hobbit was always first of all it was a kid book when when it was first written and second second of all it was more fantasy based more than uh lord of the rings and wasn't as dark meaning it's not the end of the world if if, if you know it was just an adventure bilbo going on an adventure and this one captured that i thought and, you think? and it was beautiful to watch you, you know what i mean like it, it had that same lord of the rings feel uh, the way they did the cinematography which you guys can look it up it, it was awesome um and even though you know it, it stopped you short and, and you know it's continuing on to the rest it's still something that is worth seeing and owning so hitting that mark i think it just makes it too let me ask you the other obvious question that because everybody was talking about either who's benedict cumberbatch or 48 fps did you see it in that 48 frames per second format so i just saw it in the traditional theater like i mentioned before um however i've You're seen starting to be like me <laughs> no i'm not i'm not i've <laughs> seen clips and things the other way um and it it's awesome so i'm all for it what does it look like to you the, the 48 fps um it it actually 
looks a lot like when you have your refresh rate on your uh, high def TV set up really high, um, where it's kind of trying to bridge that that reality and film feel. Um, uh, traditionally, I like uh, the traditional feel, film feel um, and not that high refresh rate. But the way that this actually comes across is, is a little bit more realistic and less like a 3D ride. So that's why I say I like it. See, and, and I don't like it not because of what it looks like or anything, but I, I don't like it because, again, the discussion is not on what great characters, the story. It's on the technical aspect of the film. When you, And when you go to a movie, you sh- it should take you to a galaxy far, far away. You should think those lightsabers are real. You should worry about whether Luke is going to get his other hand cut off, not, hey, I wonder how Peter Jackson filmed that, what, what kind of camera he was using. However, on the same point, uh, taking chances like this with the technology and doing something different is how we get to where we are. And, and I applaud anyone that's trying to do something different like that. So, Unless you have not such a good story behind it. You can have all the technology in the world <laughs> you want. You know, I've, I said that about some... Well, there the are world. some limitations. I mean, it's Spider-Man. But, but again, let's talk something that you and I like a lot. Star Wars. Like I said, somebody's building something really, really huge, whether it works or not. I don't know. It's the ship that made the Kessel Run. And what was it? You should that know That is the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in just a few minutes. In the meantime, here is somebody. I think it's Jay or Louise. or Here's somebody talking about comics or movies or, or something. Here, we'll be, we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Comics Commentary with Jay Gibbs on the Geek Speak Show. So this week in Comics Commentary... I've got good news, and I've got bad news, and I've got old news, and I've got new news, and uh, a lot of stuff going on in the comics world. Uh, Gail Simone, who's a personal hero of mine, uh, was fired unceremoniously, even though this is old news, this happened back in December, um, from writing her flagship book, Batgirl, which is uh, going to be concluded, I believe, this week or next week with... uh, Death in the Family, number 17, Batgirl number 17. Um, So, yeah, please uh, pick that up and then stop reading Batgirl because there's just no point after that. I'm I'm sure they're going to hire a good creative team and everything, but they're going to abort storylines that have been more than a year in the making in order to satisfy suits and not fans. So I can't stand behind that, and I'm really angry at DC in happier news and also more recent news because I'm sure the Gail Simone thing is old. Uh, <clears throat> Sam Keith, another personal hero of mine, someone I respect very, very much uh, in the comics industry, big, longtime purveyor of independent comics and very creative storylines, works as an artist as well as a writer. Anyway, Sam Keith has a new book. And uh, it's called The Hollows. It's written by a guy named Ryle, and it is produced by IDW Publishing. So again, nice independent book. And it's very weird and very creative. I've read through the first issue, which is still on stands. Two should be coming out next month. And uh, it's it's brilliant and bizarre and has this fluidity and motion and surrealism that only Sam Keith's artwork can possibly deliver. And it's about a, a near-future post-apocalyptic Japan where the world is divided into above the clouds and below the clouds. And above the clouds, uh, the air is pure and it's breathable and rich people hang out... <coughs> 
and uh, they live their lives and they're scientists and genius and they're they're trying to improve things if only for themselves below the clouds and on the ground there are the hollows which are these ghostly apparitions slash zombie apocalypse things that are running around consuming people's life energy and their souls and they're very creepy and and they blob together and weave in and out of each other and they're cool, but you don't want to be near them. <laughs> and there are people who are just living in spite of them. Uh, the air is toxic. There's no food. There's no potable water. And they're just normal people trying to live their lives in peace. And uh, there's a weird armless, uh, furless dog thing. That's that's kind of cool. And I'm hoping that they make stuffed toys of it. But <laughs> uh, check out IDW's The Hollows. Uh, support Sam Keith, support your local independent brick and mortar store and uh, support independent comics because I think it's it's going to be huge in the future. All right. So I had a couple of other things that I wanted to touch on, like the fact that the amazing Spider-Man is over and uh, Joel already went over that a little bit. Um, but I, I don't want to give you guys any spoilers, even though I know what's going on in Spider-Man. And uh, I'm going to let you guys, if you're into Spider-Man, if you're into... Uh, what are they called? Marvel comics? <laughs> Silly Marvel. <laughs> then please go out and get yourself a copy because I don't know how many copies they're putting out there, but in a few years, it's probably going to be a big deal in comics history that Amazing Spider-Man ended at 700 and rebooted with number one of Superior Spider-Man. So that's on stands today. So go out, get your superior Spider-Man, get the hollows, get uh, get you some Batgirl, and have a wonderful week. And I will see you next Wednesday, because Wednesday is New Comic Book Day. Hey, this is Todd McFarlane, creator of Spawn, and one of the original founders of Image Comics. And you're listening to Geek Speak Show. Thanks for coming. We are back on the Geek Speak Show. 2013 is here so are we and so is Rachel how crazy is it that it's already 2013 yeah we actually are here December 21st came and went and nothing happened who knew not the minds that's for sure so apparently let's continue where we left off last year Star Wars of course Rachel always talks about it anyway but now more than a we have a real reason to talk about Star Wars the new movies everything that's coming out I was mentioning to, I think, Joel, we were talking about that uh, during the break. I said that a long time ago, in the Galaxy Far, Far Away, a long time ago, Kenner made one of the coolest, at the time, toys, which was the, it wasn't full scale, but it, it was pretty big, a Millennium Falcon toy. I was lucky enough to own two of those, and somebody is going to do something even bigger than that, a full scale, one-to-one scale Millennium Falcon. He's and when on, we say that... We mean like life size on 80 some acres of land, Millennium Falcon. The real thing. You can live in it. You can maybe fly it. Maybe. We'll find out. Chris Lee is the founder of the Full Scale Millennium Falcon Project. You can go to our link section. It's on there for you. Chris, welcome to the Geek Speak Show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to have you on. So so the first question obviously is why, but also not, not just why, but once you decided, okay, I'm going to do this, why did you do it? And what was the first step you took to making this be a reality? Yeah, well, the the why I seem to only have to answer the why question to uh, non fans. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, hardcore fans get it. They don't even have to ask why. They ask where and when and how can I help. They ask why'd uh, you take so long. <laughs> yeah, when's it gonna be done? Um, 
the second part of the question is how to get started. Um, well, I mean, come on. When I was 12 years old, I mean, I'm I'm an older guy, you know. When I was 12 is when uh, the first Star Wars movie came out in 1977. And, you know, 12-year-old kid sitting in the theater and watching this film, just freaking out because it's so awesome, so unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And uh, in that scene where they're coming down the steps into Docking Bay 94 and, you know, the camera pulls back and you see the Falcon for the very first time and Luke lets out that whiny line of, you what know, a piece what a, of junk. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought the exact opposite. As soon as he said that, I was in my mind. I was like, how can you think that? This is the most freaking awesome thing I've ever seen in my life. So at that moment, you know, A, I knew Luke was a – I don't know if this is a PG rated show, but Luke is a whiny bitch. And, uh, <laughs> and that, um, I got, you know, I had to have one of those. And at the time, you know, you're thinking like a kid. Well, you mean, the, you mean the Falcon, right? Not the whiny bitch. Exactly. <laughs> Just yeah. making sure. Yeah. Sorry. And in the, you know, in those times you, at that age, you're thinking like a kid. So thinking I got to have one of those means I got to have a toy like that, or maybe, you know, dad will build me a sandbox or a bunk beds or a swing set or something cool like the Millennium Falcon. You never think in, you know, grown up terms. And so, of course, I got some of those things, you know, I had the toys and, you know, the the um, swing set, all the crazy stuff. And then you get a little older and, uh, you know, your your means start to come to meet your your imagination. You think, well, maybe I can do like a a room in the house or We'll do, you know, like a big model or a studio scale model or, you know, a vehicle or something like that. And then, you know, you just get older and you get to the point where, why half-ass this? You know, let's just do it. Let's make the full-on thing. And that's kind of where we are. <laughs> it went that's- from a boyhood dream to potentially, you know, that we can really do this. We've assembled enough skill and resources and just sheer fan power uh, to, I think to make it happen. See, and and from my twelve year old self seeing the movie, uh, when I saw the Millennium Falcon, and we were we were inside of it, we're running around, and there's you know the um, smugglers sections and all the hidden panels, and I said to myself, I want to walk onto the Falcon one day. And how amazing that you are going to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. It's just you know from I've said this in other interviews and to friends in the past is like the moment I experienced that that film for the first time um i knew someday and sooner the better but someday i wanted to be able to walk around and and exist in that universe not necessarily you know to forever and and you know to to sort of live there but i wanted to be able to experience it in you know full sensory perception and to me that means like you just state like the way you put it to walk into it and and be there so this is the only way I know how. I mean, I've you know I've dealt with simulations in the past and 3D models, virtual reality, all that kind of thing, and those are great um, up to a point. But there's no substitute for the real thing. And when we say real here, we mean real, real, not movie set real, but actual real. Like that thing is going to be sitting, like it's just landed in the you know on the ground, full size, and you can walk up and touch it and get inside it and do whatever. So that's that's one of the questions I had initially, even when I first heard about the project, is how functional or how real is this going to be? Like, how are you deciding what is a light and what's a sticker and, and whether or not, you know, it smells like it, it's been through a war or not? Or, or what is that line? Or like Chewie's been by? sitting in it. Or yeah. <laughs> White dog. 
Yeah, well, we, we're still in the middle of a lot of that right now. Um, trying to get as many skilled and experienced and, and eager people together across all the different disciplines that it's going to take to make this happen. And that, you know, that does come down to a lot of really special skills, just like, you know, audio and video and special effects and lighting and sound and, uh, you know, upholstery even, you know, there's just all kinds of crazy things um, that are going to be necessary. And as far as, you know, what's, what's a, what's real and what's a sticker, everything's going to be real. We're not going to, we're not going to fake anything if we can get, if, if we can, if we can make, you know, make that happen. If we have to fake something, we're going to fake it in a way that it doesn't feel fake that, you know, it's just the obvious. Like, I mean, you know, in, in some of the real obvious senses, like, uh, the gunner ports that can't, you, you won't be able to do the, you know, walk into them and crawl into them the way they did in the film, because we unfortunately don't have any gravity. So we're going to have, we're going to figure out a way that the bottom, uh, um, and the top, gun ports can can rotate in a way that you can actually sit in them and not literally be facing straight up and straight down because that just wouldn't work. Um, so there's some corners we're going to have to cut, but we're going to do them in a way that they'll be, that we can explain it away. So we can say, well, this, you know, if you were on a planet with gravity and had to get into the to the gunner seats, this is the way they would rotate to make that possible. You know, oh, so I love that. There can be some artistic license taken, and I think everybody would be willing to forgive that just for the sheer fact of being able to walk into the thing and, and experience it. Okay, okay. Big question then. What about the degeric table? <laughs> I got to know. I got to know. Because if I go and there's this amazing, if everything feels real, looks real, and then I want to sit down and turn this on, how are you going to make that happen? Well, we've got, uh, I wish I could remember, there's so many, there's dozens and dozens of people and companies groups that have come on and to the site and volunteered their services i can't remember where this group is from i can't i keep wanting to say italy but um it may have been spain there was a group that uh uh one of the guys contacted me uh weeks and weeks ago and said that they are developing a uh, fog screen technology and that they would be willing to use us as one of their prototypes or one of their beta sites and um so they're talking about developing the uh projection technology to make that as real as we can make it you know obviously 3d holograms don't exist yet but you can get pretty close to simulating the uh the effect of one and uh, fog screen technology has been around for a little while but it's very expensive um to do it well but these guys are trying to come up with a more uh, affordable uh approach and they said they'd love to have us be their sort of showcase um, beyond that, I mean, the the Jark table has been developed uh, already by several different groups. Uh, some of them right. in the replica prop form, in the RPF, they've built the table. There's yep. guys who modeled every single one of the characters, uh, both in 3D and in, in uh, sculpted. So the resources are all there and everybody's willing to contribute. So I think it's just getting the right combination of people and skills together and we can make it happen. Just remember, always let the Wookiee win. So we're talking to Chris Lee, who is the founder and project leader of the Full Scale Millennium Falcon Project. Exactly what it sounds like. It's a full scale Millennium Falcon. We'll continue the conversation right after this. We'll get into what else is going to be happening, how real is it going to be, and the real question that Rachel wanted to know, is the hyperdrive going to be working or not? We'll do that in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. The Geek Speak Show will be right back. The stories behind the stories with Mark Arnold, exclusively on the Geek Speak Show. 
This is Mark Arnold from the Stories Behind the Stories, and today we have Jorge Pacheco. And Jorge is a, an artist best known for his work at Harvey Comics in the 1990s, and he's also worked for DC's Scooby-Doo and Looney Tunes uh, comic book series. Hi, Jorge. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. I appreciate it. And uh, let's see, today you seem to have a knack for drawing like every major funny animal and kitty character out there. Is this your preference or do you desire to draw other genres? I don't know if I have a preference. I guess the main thing with me is I really enjoy just drawing. I kind of got, I guess, uh, cornered into the humor stuff somehow. But, uh, you know, I've been branching out a little bit more. I've been doing a little bit more realistic stuff. Um, I guess there's probably a bigger market for that. But uh, I love drawing the Looney Tunes and obviously the Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones and the Jetsons, et cetera, et cetera. Um, like I said, I just enjoy the drawing. And uh, how, how did you get your background? Did you take any particular schooling to learn how to draw these characters or did it come natural to you? I think it came a little bit natural. I mean, when I was a you know little kid, I used to draw. I was the kid in class that uh, would draw instead of listen to the math teacher. <laughs> So, you know, I draw um, Charlie Brown and, you know, obviously Scooby-Doo and the Flintstones and stuff like that. So I guess it's always been in me. Mm-hmm. Now, um, was Harvey Comics uh, your first professional uh, position and where you were hired as staff artist, or did you work other areas prior to that? Well, I got kind of a funny story. Um, the editor at uh, Harvey Comics um, turned out to be Sid Jacobson, and he's been in basically in the comic field since the infancy almost. He worked with Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, and he was the first real big editor at Harvey Comics many moons ago. And uh, I graduated from the Joe Kubert School, and the first day out of school, I went up to Marvel, Marvel Comics in D.C., uh, you know, Marvel DC Comics in uh, New York to try to get work. And I went into Marvel, and I actually spoke with, I had an appointment with Sid Jacobson, and uh, I ended up getting his assistant, and she really liked my work. And so, you know, obviously I said, great, you know, so they gave me a tryout and I sent it to Sid because um, obviously he wasn't in the office. So I didn't get to meet him the first time, but um, I sent him to work and he rejected it. And then lo and behold, five years later at Harvey Comics, I don't think Sid remembered that he, he'd rejected me and uh, he ended up hiring me at Harvey Comics. So I worked for Harvey Comics for five years uh, from 1990 to 95 until they stopped uh, publishing comic books. Where can we find your artwork online? I mean, obviously, do you, uh, you know, you can just find comic a, book covers, but what's your website? My website is obviously www. and it's Pacheco Tunes, and it's uh, P A C H E C O T O O N S, Pacheco Tunes. Okay. So you can see my work there and see my family. I have a lot of pictures of my family up there, too. I have a little boy and. That was another blessing about being a freelance artist is for two years I was able to work and watch my son, you know, grow up when he was, he's still a little kid, he's turning five in a couple months, but uh, I was able to watch him and work, which was a challenge, but a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) And and, any personal appearances for you in the near future, or Um, like at conventions or anything? I actually had a show in San Diego with a bunch of other talented artists um, at the comic convention, uh, Batten Lash. I don't know if you know who he is. Yep. He's a pretty famous cartoonist. He writes a lot of stuff for Archie, and he has his own uh, Supernatural Law comics. I'm sure he'll appreciate me giving him a plug. Yeah. <laughs> um, Supernatural Law, and uh, they had a show at his gallery, and um, I was one of the artists that was featured, and they had that on for about a month. So uh, that was very, you know, very exciting. And you know, there's a lot of little conventions I still go to, and you know, 
locally, the San Diego conventions, and they have one at the town and country. I'm thinking about um, showing my work there. And uh, I guess there's no other place other than just checking out my work online. I guess that's the best place to go. Okay. Well, we'll do that. Yeah. And I want to thank you again, Jorge, for being my guest today, and I appreciate the time. I really appreciate it, Mark. It was nothing but a pleasure, and uh, you know, if there's anything else you need from me, please don't hesitate. Okay. I will give you a call. <laughs> Thank you Thanks, very much. Buddy. Sure. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can hear the complete story behind the stories by going to funideas.50webs.com. That's 50webs.com. Funideas.50webs.com. The stories behind the stories. Exclusively on The Geek Speak Show. I'm Zach, and you're listening to The Geek Speak Show. Hold on a second. Once more, with flavor. Oh, I'm Zach Whedon, and you're listening to the Geek Speak Show. It's compelling. What's gonna happen to these kids? Big year for the Whedons last year. This year, it's, well, we'll see. Iron Man 3 is coming in. We'll, we'll see what happens. So it's back to the Geek Speak show, back to talking Star Wars again. What else do we talk about here? Especially with Rachel here. Somebody hey, hey. somebody is building, they beat you to it, they, they're building a life-size Millennium Falcon. It may fly, may not. We'll find out in a second. I, you know, I, was, I was thinking actually during the break. Chris Chris Lee's on who he's on with us. Chris Chris mentioned that that when he first saw the Millennium Falcon and and, and Luke made his you know, infamous line, "What a piece of junk!" He wanted that ship, the Falcon. I always wanted the first ship you see, not the Tantive Four. Okay, the second ship you see, the Star Destroyer that just keeps going and going and going. Of that course, you did. Is the project <laughs> and a half right there? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but, we're trying to be a little more uh, realistic with our with our yeah. goal. So, so Chris Lee, he's, he's the, uh, the founder and project leader on the Full Scale Millennium Falcon Project. FullScaleFalcon.com if you want to go to it directly or just go to our link section. It's on there for you. You can find out even more or maybe uh, help out in any way you can. Chris, how can they help? And also besides you, who else is on, on, on the team? Well, we've got several people on the main uh, sort of the founder group and the team. Uh, myself, my fiance, Leah. Um, yes, her name's Leah. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, Greg Dietrich, who was the guy who kind of kicked me in the pants to get the whole thing uh, actually moving, he's uh, the one you'll see building. Right now he's working on the cockpit. So you see a lot of the uh, picture updates of the cockpit. He's doing all that work. Um, he's actually, he's, I'm in Tennessee. He's in Alabama. Um, uh, Stinson Lenz is the... Uh, wizard 3d guy who's done most of or all of the uh rendering and uh dimension drawings that we have that we're working from right now he's up in pennsylvania um we've got um several people here locally that are helping out um and then there's just dozens and hundreds of people all around the world who are starting to contribute we've got people in the uk people in new zealand Um, a lot of these people are doing either research work for us in their local areas which is really important um uh, because especially in the UK, when these films were shot, they were done in studios uh, in England. And a lot of the models that were built in the sets um, had lots of, you know, in, in the prop building world, we call them greeblies, which are basically just, you know, parts that are stuck on the outside, inside and outsides of things to make them look more techy. And um, 
a lot of the uh, Greeblies, the full, both the full size and the model Greeblies that were used on the Falcon and most of the other ships in, in Star Wars were taken from 60s and 70s era um, British uh, vehicles. So cars, trucks, airplanes, military vehicles, boats, um, that kind of stuff. And so it's very difficult to find a lot of those parts in the U.S. because they're not American parts and they're 30, 40 years old. So there's uh, one guy in particular, there's several guys doing looking around, guys and girls, but there's one guy in particular who's really become a superstar for us and he is doing the legwork and tracking down these parts and he has an amazing eye for finding this stuff. And if you get on the, on the site and look under parts, you can see a lot of these crazy finds that he's made of just these obscure parts that you see hanging on the wall or sticking out of a panel or something in the Falcon and nobody really pays that much attention to him. And this guy's figured out that this is a a relay unit off of the the inside of the engine of some jet that was used in you know World War Two or something. It's just crazy. So you you have found all these people from all over the world. So for those of us like me that are like shedding a tear at the thought of being able to walk onto this one day, what are the things that we can do to help with the project? Whether we're nearby or whether we're you know another country away. Right. Well, for folks that are nearby or who can get nearby uh, uh, coming soon, and I don't know how soon right now, but um, once we start the actual uh, construction on site, we're going to be planning lots of Falcon weekends where people can come down and, and contribute. And, you know, those will, they'll be, those will be wide ranging um, as far as what we'll be doing. Um, for those who uh, want to actually construct things, um, we're working on a, um, an extension to the website, um, working with some guys and trying to get some more people involved to develop some web software where we can have collaborative, uh, almost crowdsourced construction processes. So we're going to have the entire ship laid out uh, in 3D uh, and, and basically break the ship up into hundreds or maybe thousands of components. And they'll be of all sizes from you know a few inches around to maybe 20 feet long. We're going to identify all these components, build them into a database, and each component will be uh, basically have a you know description and how many of them are going to be needed, um, what the drawings are of these things, what materials they're made out of, what the methods of fabrication are going to be, what kind of skills you might need, and what kind of tools you might need. And then people can go online almost in a social media fashion and claim a component as their own. Oh my God, that's genius! And then they can work on it. They can upload their progress, their pictures. They can talk to people about it. And then when it's finished, we'll figure out how we're logistically going to either get it shipped or, you know, picked up and trucked over to the site. And then we'll have, you know, real uh, uh, sort of uh, meetings and gatherings so people can bolt their part onto the, to the superstructure and even sign it, autograph it, put a plaque on it, whatever you want, so that there's a real physical piece that you've contributed um, and put on it. And then this way, you know, hundreds and thousands of people can actually take part in making this thing a reality physically. And then those who aren't able to either build or, or construct things can still contribute in helping put the things together. So that's, that's the way we want to get it done. Um, sort of a wrapper around that is we want to look at developing the site into the just as shorthand I've been calling a maker camp or a maker's retreat. Um, think of it like a you know a place where you can go and take classes and workshops and learn how to do things and make stuff. But you know, oh by the way, down in the center of the complex, there's this spaceship that we're building, and we're using all the skills that we're learning to do that. 
And the, the big advantage there is that everybody knows what this thing looks like. There's no mystery. You know, you don't have to, you know, you say we're building a Millennium Falcon. Somebody might say you're doing what, but it's usually out of disbelief. <laughs> it's not that right. they don't know what it is. So, you know, we have the advantage in that everybody has a picture of this in their head. So we can say, yeah, you're building this and then you want to build this piece right here. And we've cataloged that's, you know, exterior uh, mandible greebly 345 or whatever. Um, and, you know, and so-and-so is working on that and you can contribute. Um, so we're, we're trying to approach it from the kind of nonprofit uh, educational side as well. Um, obviously we're not looking to make money off of this. It's, you know, legally we can't anyway, it's not our intellectual property. And Lucasfilm has been super nice about letting this happen. So we want to, you know, and they're big into education as well. George donated billions of dollars that he made from the Disney sale to directly to education. So right. sort of keep that, uh, keep that line of thought going. Well, and people can also, if they go onto your website, so fullscalefalcon.com, uh, they, they can buy a t-shirt, right? And that can help support the project as well? Absolutely. We're doing everything we can. I mean, we don't make a ton of money on the shirts, but it's a good way to get uh, awareness out. And, you know, the money that we do get on there goes toward paying for web hosting and development and towards the software and some of the costs to maintain the uh, the physical building site. Um, cause you know, that's, I bought 88 acres, uh, several years back with the purpose of doing, you know, the idea of having the purpose of doing this. Um, so, you know, there's some costs involved in maintaining that property. So a lot of it, a lot of it's going towards that, but we are stockpiling as much as we can for whenever we do need to put it towards materials or whatever. And, you know, this is a huge undertaking. So none of us are under the laboring under the delusion that we're going to pay for the construction off of t-shirts, but every right. little... Okay, so let's say we, we get through everything. We've built it. We've done our Falcon Weekends. We've been following your website and on Twitter, and, and everything's just about done. Once this thing is complete, what are we going to do with it? I mean, are we going to do the Kessel Run? What are we going to do? Well, everybody's asking, is it going to fly? And my response is, I surely hope not, um, because <laughs> Tennessee is in Tornado Alley, and the last thing we want is this thing to take off. Um, but... Uh, I think there are so many activities that, that we've, we've been planning in our heads and um, people are coming up, have been coming up with. I mean, even down to, you know, every, it seems like every interview we're on, especially podcasts, people are like, can we, can we do an episode from the cockpit? And I'm like, of course you yeah. can. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that can, can happen. I mean, every fan group is going to want to make a pilgrimage and shoot their fan film or have their pictures taken and inside and outside. Um, there's, you know, uh, <laughs> who knows if Disney needs a shooting location with a real Falcon, you know, we'll be there, um, for the next star Wars movies. That is a good point. Yep. And then there's always more that can be done. I mean, it's, you know, after all, it was sort of the, the hot rod or the muscle car of the star Wars universe. So, you know, it's always going to need work. People, we're always going to want to swap things out, improve things, change things. And then I think, we can expand from just the site around the immediate area of the Falcon and maybe build other ships or other, you know, maybe build a replica of Docking Bay 94 up around it or who knows. Um, you know, there's it's going to be built sort of down in a valley with some hills around it. And up on the side of the hills, maybe we build a few TIE fighters so that they look like they're chasing it from up above. Who knows? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited already. So we're talking to Chris Lee. He's the founder and project leader on the Full Scale Millennium Falcon Project, FullScaleFalcon.com, if you want to learn more, get involved somehow. And Chris, you mentioned what the Rachel and me arguably was the biggest announcement last year, that towards the end of last year was the, the Disney-Lucasfilm merger. 
Uh, Lucasfilm, everybody knows they were very friendly toward, they were very fan friendly with fan films and everything. How, how Now that it's officially Disney's, how, have they approached you in any way? Have they said anything or have you even not even bothered telling them about this? <laughs> well, um, there's an old saying, don't poke the bear. Um, <laughs> and we're not doing that, but we, we did receive some communication. I'm, I'm heavily involved for long-term involvement with the 501st Legion, with the R2 Builders, with the Rebel Legion. Um, and we did receive direct communication from the... Um, uh, the fan relations group at Dis- at uh, Lucasfilm saying that you know don't sweat it everything's gonna you know business as usual uh, and and you're right Disney is very uh, aware of the of the fan component and very supportive of it and uh, Lucasfilm has been all along so I think we're gonna be okay as long as we do keep it a fan project you know a, a group project nonprofit um, you know and do it uh, by Lucasfilm's rules which we've so far stuck to as closely as possible okay so, so let's get into the falcon not literally because it's not built yet but how far into the falcon are you um we have a complete dimensioned 3d model uh which is the uh the next step is going to construction drawings which are archi- we have an architect uh who's helping us out we also have a structural engineer who's helping us out um the cockpit is well underway under construction, the uh, top and bottom gun turrets have been are being worked on. Um, the uh, radar dish is being worked on. Starting in February, uh, several large components in the main hold, like the uh, computer console, the one that 3PO talks to. Um, like I said, the chess table, the jack, all that stuff. Um, the chairs, the uh, ejection seat chairs. Um, let's see what else. Uh, landing gear is being worked on. So there's there's lots of component the sort of large signature component pieces are being worked on already. Um, we're hoping sometime this summer to be able to do the final site prep and be able to dig the uh, foundation uh, holes to pour the concrete, and that'll be sort of the big, you know, uh, groundbreaking sort of situation where you know, it's really going to happen because we've you know actually started real construction and not just uh, component pieces. Um, and on that as you know, from that aspect, we've gotten lots of uh, response. There are people, construction companies. You know, you think about how many industries there are out there, and how many different uh, trades and disciplines there are, and how many sort of correlate that with how many Star Wars fans there there are out there. And there's a Star Wars fan everywhere. I mean, there's sure. guys that own crane companies and construction companies and logging companies. You know, because this is on a wooded site, needs some parts need to be cleared still, and, and roads built. And there, you know, guys are like, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan and I own a, you know, insert blank, you know, (laughs) a concrete company or a steel company or whatever. So there's plenty of resources out there I think we're going to be able to call upon to get this done. Um, So, but right now we're still heavily into planning to make sure we do this right because no one's ever done this, not even Lucasfilm. Uh, You know, everything they built was a movie set. And wasn't designed to last more than a few weeks. And some of that you can sadly see firsthand in some of the photos of the uh, back lots at Elstree when they tore the sets apart and threw them outside and they just sort of fell apart in, under the weather. Um, so ours is meant to last. And so it's going to be built like, you know, the construction methods are going to be like uh, metal construction for commercial buildings. Um, it's going to be built up on piers, like the landing gear, all seven landing gear feet are going to be like piers. So it's almost like a cantilever beach house kind of situation where it's standing up on poles. Um, 
and it's gigantic. It's huge. It's 114 feet long and over 80 feet wide. And from the ground to the top tip top of the dish is um, is a little over 30 feet. So almost three stories high, which is a lot bigger than it was in the films from the outside. Um, the 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 set that was built for the first film was about 80, I think 80 percent scale, and the set that was built for the second for Empire was only about 65 percent scale. Which you can really tell when you see Han outside working on the hull and the sparks start flying in the cockpit and Chewie's going crazy. Chewie looks like he's sort of crammed in there. Um, so that was a big challenge for us too, figuring out how to fit. You know, how big do you make the outside so that the inside can fit? And so we've been, you know, it's taken years to get to that point, but we've we figured it out. And, and fortunately, what we figured out was also figured out by several other groups of people almost around the same time. And so we've got multiple groups who have come to the realization that these numbers are what they are and that's how big it really has to be uh to fit those sets inside so we feel pretty good about that right now yeah the empire didn't have wookies in mind when they built it but chris lee does and and if you guys own your own construction company or you just have your own hydro spanner and you want to get involved somehow just go to fullscalefalcon.com go to our link section it's on there for but fullscalefalcon.com if you want to go there directly get involved volunteer do anything before we let you go chris Let's uh, talk like the Star Wars geeks that we are. When the announcement came in October, what was your reaction? Um, I initially thought, holy crap, what's going on? This is wrong. This can't be good. Because, you know, it's like somebody, you know, coming into your room and messing with your stuff. You're like, no, 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 don't do that. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, well, wait a minute. Look what Disney did with Marvel. You know, look how freaking awesome Avengers, the Avengers movie was. Um, so I think being, like we said, as aware as Disney is of how important the fans are, um, I think hopefully their stance will be like it is with Marvel where they're just, they've left Lucasfilm as a fully, uh, intact operating unit. Um, uh, Kathleen Kennedy is still CEO, you know, Lucas stepped down, which in my opinion can only be a good thing. I mean, he's, he's creative genius. Um, but you look at all the, all six of those films, uh, which really there are only three Star Wars movies, but you know then there were those three that were made for children afterwards. But if you look at all six of those, um, the one in my opinion that is the best film, not not my fa- my favorite is the original Star Wars, but the best film in my opinion is Empire, and Lucas neither wrote nor directed that, uh, and it's the best of the Star Wars movies. So hey, there's your formula: keep Lucas from directing or writing, which is what's going to happen now because he is no longer in that position. So I think Disney's going to, they've already announced that they've got, you know, Michael Arn is one of the writers looking for directors. I think they're going to do that. They're just going to let, let the uh, franchise run on its own and they're just going to lob incredible talent over the fence and say, hey, use this guy, use this guy. Uh, and I think we're going we're gonna to have some great success. But no, once I, once I thought about it in those terms, I had no problem with it. And then we got some very reassuring emails uh, from the fan relations department saying, guys, don't sweat it. Everything's going to be okay. So then we, then we knew everything was going to be okay. Yeah, Rachel and I talked about it here because, you know, it, it was a pretty big announcement when, when it came out. And I, I'm a big Marvel fan also, and, and I was I had that same feeling when the Marvel announcement was made. But if they if they do what they did with Marvel, like you said, because Kevin Feige is the one really who's, who's steered the Marvel movie ship this whole time. Disney's just in the background. If they do the same thing, let Kathleen Kennedy and whoever else run the Star Wars franchises into wherever it's going to go, we'll be fine. I think then, we will. then we have hope. <laughs> yes, there's always hope. 
Yeah, and this obviously is just fan speculation, but what do you think we'll see in 7, 8, and 9? Uh, I don't know. I really... Uh, well, I should say, what, what do you hope to see? Uh, I really hope there are no cute uh, ac- uh, animals with accents. We hope to see your fiancé. And I do hope to see... Yeah, exactly. Uh, cough, jar, jar. Um, <laughs> uh, we have a private, uh, well, a, a, a sort of homespun campaign here that we're trying to go viral uh, called Leia for Leia 2015. Um, my fiance, Leia, who who looks uh, uncannily like uh, uh, Carrie Fisher uh, in costumes as Leia uh, at cons, uh, is really pushing to have something to do with the film. So I'm hoping we can see some great talent as the characters that we have come to love. Um, I would love to see some cameos from, you know, some of the older uh, uh, original actors. I don't know how that would play out. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see what the way I heard it described was um, new stories uh, with with existing characters, like not inventing or pulling characters out of the woodwork and writing complete stories around them. But telling more angles about the people about the characters that we're already familiar with. Right. Uh, you know, I'd love to see a bounty hunter movie. You know. Me too. I vote for that. Yeah. How does all that work? And then, of course, you know what happened after. You know what is the whole Sons of Skywalker thing? What happened with with Leia and Han? Everybody wants to know that. Uh, and then I would love to see some in betweens. Like you know, we hear all these stories about. The Falcon was one in a card game between Lando and, and Han. I, w- I want to see that. I want to know the circumstances around that. I want to see the other uh, Karelian freighters, you know, because it's just one. It's like a it's like a Chevy. You know, there were there were hundreds and thousands of them made. So I want to see the other ones. So I think they can do a lot of that without going the full route of inventing all of this extra stuff that we have to deal with, like trade embargoes and <laughs> all that stuff really killed it for me in the prequels midi chlorians yeah just leave that stuff alone just talk because <laughs> you know and, and george that's one of george's faults i mean i love him to death but you know he really wanted to talk about more about the tech and the in the universe than he did the individual characters and so i think having directors and writers that are more character oriented is really going to help because you know it, that was one of my biggest problems with the prequels is i don't i didn't care about any of those characters not a single one of them and so if that's the case, I'm just watching a bunch of CG and I can do that in a lot of other universes. Um, and so, you know, I really did care about most of the characters in, in the original trilogy with the exception of the Ewoks. Um, oh. But Sorry. <laughs> it was a hint of what was to come next, Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I really did care about them and I want, I want to care about a character in a, in, a, in a Star Wars movie again, the way I did in those original films. So I'm hoping they'll, that that's where they'll steer it. This is like real morbid, but you and I, Chris, we were probably one of the few people who were actually cheering the theater on that one scene when the Ewoks get shot by the ATS team. <laughs> <laughs> Ray's yeah, probably making that Lord. face at me. I am. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's degrees of that, but yeah, I know, I know how you feel. I'm like, oh, come <laughs> can't be for real here yeah so we'll definitely see what chris lee is going to be up to pretty soon uh chris lee he's the founder and the project leader on the full scale millennium falcon project exactly what it sounds like full scale millennium falcon functional we'll see what time will tell 
FullScaleFalcon.com is a website. You can guys go on there and learn all about it, watch watch the progress, or get involved somehow if you can. Chris, thanks a lot. You are welcome back anytime. And uh, do update us on, on what's going on. And we'll definitely, like I said, we'll have yes. you on anytime. Oh, absolutely. As soon as we've got something big, the next big thing to show, we'll make sure everybody knows about it. Okay, thank, thanks, Chris. And Rachel, you take it. You know what you want to tell them? I do. May the force be with you, Chris. Thank you. Okay, so that's the first show for 2013. Of course, picked up right where we left off, talking more Star Wars. Yes, Rachel had something to do with that. That's okay. They like it. So we're going to take up Chris Lee on that, right? When when the rest of the podcast go and broadcast from the Millennium Falcon. You and I, of course, have to broadcast from there. I think maybe we need to do video because why would you not? Oh, yeah, we have the video show now. Of course we can do that. Right. Plus, well going to give it away a little bit. Not, not No spoiler, but you, Rachel, you produced a very cool-looking and very apropos intro for the uh, for the Millennium Falcon. We can have that plane in the cockpit. You know what I'm talking about. Yes! Oh, wait till you guys see this. It's going to be amazing. And if you're lucky, maybe you can convince Henry to cosplay this as well. I do have the pants with the red Corellian stripe, and I do know what it means, too. <laughs> so... Next week, we'll talk, not Star Wars, well, maybe, with Rachel here. Of course, we're going to talk Star Wars every hour, every time, every chance she gets. But we're going to talk about another movie, sort of George Lucas-related, only in the fact that Steven Spielberg is his friend. Steven Spielberg made a movie, well, a lot of movies, but one that was not quite sci-fi, but it did make an impact on us geeks. It made us be afraid to go into the water. Yeah, that one. You're singing the song now. Yeah. We're going to go inside Jaws. Not literally. Remember Jamie Benning? Of course you do. He's, he did Star Wars Begins. There's your Star Wars reference. Star Wars Begins. We should just rename this show the Star Wars Geek Show. Uh, trademark that. But, uh, we're gonna do, he's going to do um, his filmumentaries inside Jaws. He's going to talk. Well, he, he doesn't talk about it. He, you, you guys know what it is. The, the filmumentaries are pretty popular. So we'll do that. We'll talk, of course, Marvel Now. So we're going to talk to a couple of people. Number one, Dan Slott, writer on the last one. Yes, it's over. The Amazing Spider-Man number 700. He wrote that one. He wrote the goodbye to Peter Parker and Spider-Man, sort of, because now we have the superior Spider-Man. Number one just came out. Well, it'll be out by the time you, you listen to the show. It'll be out in stores, new comic book stores on New, new Comics Wednesday. We'll talk to him about what, can ex- what we can expect from superior Spider-Man and the editor-in-chief, Mar- Marvel ed- editor-in-chief, Axel Alonso, who will talk to us about all the new titles coming for Marvel now and a few other surprises. So, Rachel, you know what to say. Go ahead and give it to us. You guys come back next week where we will speak more geek. Bye. The Geek Speak Show will be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, follow them on Twitter at Geek Speak Show 1. That's the number one. Become a fan on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes. Watch special event coverage and the Geek Speak video show on YouTube slash Geek Speak videos. And listen to past shows in the archive section on thegeekspeakshow.com. A big thank you to the Geek Speak Show's content providers, geektyrant.com, collider.com, ramascreen.com, and mightyville.com. The Geek Speak Show.